0: Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NBA. Two bounce quickly for George. Gets it about 60 feet away. George at the full court logo. Puts it up.
1: Paul George off the window. He does it every pregame.
2: Makes one of those before the game, and it all pays off as George goes glass to finish the third. A miraculous shot for PG 13 gives him 23, and the Clippers will go into the fourth up 80 to 69. Into the front court. Get it to Jackson, left wing, open for three. Book it. Reggie Jackson from the outside. And the Clippers go back up by 11. 94 83 with 6.02 to go in the fourth. Timeout called by Monty Williams. And the Clippers win the game 106 92. Here we go again, PK. The Clippers down 0 2 for the third straight series. Clippers win game three for the third straight series. Here comes a comeback. Yeah, they, Ty Lue changing his lineup again,
1: putting man in the starting lineup. He responds. Uh, Zubac with a big game. I thought the thing that drives me nuts, and I've been following the Suns obviously for a number of years, particularly this season, it's clear the guards, Paul and Booker, didn't have it going on. You're 10 for 40. Mm-hmm.
2: Get the friggin' ball to Aiden. He was 9 for 13 and crushing it. He finished with 18 points and 9 boards. They are struggling to contain him. That's not enough FGAs. It just isn't, man. And you went, you got it
1: down to eight, and you went three-plus mm-hmm. minutes without scoring. Get the ball to Aiden. See what he can do. You're not hitting, whether it's Beverly's defense and uh, Paul's rust or Devin Booker's broken nose. You know, probably a combo of everything, as it usually is in a lot of situations where there's a whole bunch of factors. But I just don't understand why Aiden is not getting more of an opportunity. It makes zero sense to me. I, I ain't no basketball coach. I never played no game. But this just seems like I know we got to shoot threes. That's the thing. Get as many threes up as you could possibly do. I mean, if that's the philosophy, you can shoot a friggin' three every possession if you want. Hmm. How about you get the best shot? If it's a three, so be it. But they weren't
2: hitting. Get the ball inside. Let Aiden do something. Aiden seems like he ought to punish that uh, small lineup of the Clippers. Now, Zubak did play 33 minutes yeah. in this game. Right. But that's still 15 minutes. You know, how much can you match up his time against their guys, or is Lou going to adjust to that? How's that going to work? I mean, that's kind of the nature of the series, tinkering with that throughout games, trying to figure out how to make that happen if you can. So the Clippers win game three. And as far as uh, Paul George, you know, what drives me nuts is that guys will fling the ball, but they hold on to it so often so they don't get the missed field goal they're probably going to get when they shoot from 40, 50, 60 feet, wherever they are. With all these advanced analytics, why are guys worried about their their three-point percentage? Can't you take that out of it? Can't you figure out, hey, this guy's throwing? Because if you throw it up at the end of the quarter, you might make it. Holding on to the ball doesn't make any sense. Are you sure people do that? Yes. Paul George
1: didn't. You'll have to point out to me the next time it
2: happens. Okay. Call me. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I will. Paul George had 27 points, so yes, he missed the two free throws, and yes, that feeds into the longstanding narrative of he's not getting it done. But he came back with 27 points, 15 rebounds, and 8 assists. It's an awfully big game. He didn't shoot a great percentage, uh, but he kept shooting, kept scoring, and his team won. And, and it was more about the defensive end of the floor. I mean, the Suns shot less than 39%. So, Paul George is a fine player. I missed two free yep. throws. I got it. He's a fine player. I'd love to have him on my team. So that's 2-1 to one now with the uh, Suns still in the lead and the Clippers getting ready to host Game 4 tomorrow. In the East, it's Hawks and Bucks, Game 2 Eastern Finals in Milwaukee. Tip-off tonight, 6-30 on ESPN. I'm so nervous, man. The Suns.
1: I've waited my whole life to win a championship. <laughs> and now? It's right here,
2: and you got a bad feeling. Oh man, I'm nervous. Nervous about my 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 childhood team. So the coaching carousel, people looking like they're getting hires here. Jason Kidd is lining up a coaching staff for Dallas. Way to go, Rick Carlisle settles in Indiana. Hey, you two dopes. Told he was me a he was head an coach assistant. too. He was, but he was both. He was an assistant. Went to the Pistons. And then went back to the Pacers as a head coach. and right, I told you, Yes, did. Jeez. Yes, did. That's No, that's,
0: that's a good one right use there.
1: is only, it's plural. Learn your freaking Eastern language. Learn your jersey. I it was yes instead of use. Use, use. Okay. Y-O-U-S-E, use. That's uh, when it's double, when it's plural. Yeah, and that's great, And the, but tell me who's on the team. Four years, 29 million. Because is Jason Kidd better than Rick Carlisle?
2: I didn't mean, realize Rick Carlisle resigned and all he that. He walked. But... Roster more than coaches. Yeah. At any time, we can talk about this lock. He's coming up at 8 o'clock. At any time, it feels to me like there's 20 coaches in the NBA who know what they're doing. The problem isn't the coach not knowing what they're doing. The problem is the coach looks at the bench, and he doesn't have the right options. Or he looks at the starters. And he doesn't have the right options. He doesn't have the best guys. Not all the time. And sometimes the coaching moves are necessitated. That's why I said 20 out of so. the 30. And Atlanta, they needed to make a move. And they made a move and it completely changed. Okay, their you season. gotta stop saying
1: that now. You no, drive me
2: nuts. It's a great example and it's current. <laughs> you get mad if I go back ten or twenty years and pick one. I go back. I go back. <laughs> Early start today. Oh, <laughs> well, he said he goes back. And I just heard that song driving in. <laughs> it's a good song. Discussions on the future of Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Have started. His agent's involved. Rich Paul, Clutch Sports CEO. Paul engaged the Sixers on whether it would make sense to work together to find a trade before the start of next season. No formal trade request was made. But do we think kind we know where ironic it's going? ironic that Clutch Sports is with Ben Simmons. Let's see?
1: Good point. The epitome of non-clutch here. Oh, there you go. I'm going to start my own agency. Non-Clutch Sports. So if I had a friend like Rich Paul did, I'd be good to
2: go. Or Dad. If you could just be friends with Luka Doncic, you really have something going there. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag NFL.
2: NFL has approved a plan in which teams can wear alternate helmets with their throwback uniforms starting in 2022 tweet there they use alternate color helmets so it's just going to become like jerseys they are just going to rotate through. Do you sell as many helmets though as you sell jerseys? I get why they do it with jerseys. Are going to be able to cash in on it's helmets? it's more of just make, completing the look. Like Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that old school cream and cream. So cigarette. the helmet doesn't match the jersey? And that's what they're hoping to get more matched up. There, there you go. 49ers star George Kittle told ESPN when asked if the way his position is being undervalued bothers him 100% it does. I think tight end is the most unique and diverse position. It's the most fun position because it's the only one on the field where you get to do everything the football player does. You run block, you pass protect, you get to run routes, you catch the football. We do everything. This is this what happens right before uh, he goes all diva wide receiver on us? He wants more money. You leading up to it? Pay me money. He wants more money. I mean, I got it. We all do. DJ and PK.
0: Major League Baseball Kimbrell is ready and the 0-2 Swing and a miss The Cubs have done it
2: A combined no-hitter for the first time in the long and legendary history of the Chicago Cubs and the Cubs win the ball game by a score of 4 to nothing. Cubs are jumping up and down and hugging each other on the mound Zach Davies will get the win Zach Davies, Ryan Tapera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell combine on a no-hitter, the 17th no-hitter in franchise history. Cubs blanked the Dodgers for nothing, and the bullpen didn't know what was going on, PK. Apparently they didn't have a good view of the of the scoreboard and didn't realize it was a no-hitter. No clue. Shouldn't matter. Jobs to get guys out.
1: Worry about that stuff. If it happens, it happens. I mean, a combined no hitter doesn't have near the luster as a single guy doing it. No, it doesn't. It's more an oddity. It's nice. You know, the objective is to win the game, and the Cubs
2: are having a nice season. Cubs Uh, are tied with the Brewers for first place in the Central Division. Right. Dodgers now have lost four in a row. Got swept by the Padres. Now they get no hit by the Cubs. So they have dropped four and a half games behind the Giants in the National League West. They are now tied with the Padres for second place. Nearly had another no hitter because the Rays were getting no hit by Boston. But Boston wasn't scoring. And the Rays eventually get a hit and get a run and win on a walk-off wild pitch. one to nothing. You were just talking yesterday about, don't want a bunch of one nothing games. But they can be interesting. That one was certainly an oddity. Yeah, Rays are now uh, that moves them past Boston into first place in the American League East. As those two can hand that back and forth for a while, Rays are now up by half a game over the over the Red Sox. We were talking about the Diamondbacks, and they had a long road had a long losing streak. They have a long road losing streak, and so do the Orioles. They have lost twenty straight road games. Blue Jays win nine to nothing. Yeah, but it's in Buffalo, so that didn't really count. <laughs> that was a neutral field game. Uh, Yankees ride an Aaron Judge-Homer and a Gary Sanchez-Homer, and they blast the Royals 8-1. The Yankees are four games back of the Rays in the uh, in the East right now. Are you going to ignore my Astros? They won like 11 in a row. Your Astros are crushing it. They beat the Tigers 12-3. And the Astros... Those 11 straight wins moved in two games in front of Oakland in the American League West. Pittsburgh's nine game losing streak is over. Don't want to ignore your Pirates either. Pirates beat the Cardinals 8 to 2. And that moves
1: Puts, Pits, Pittsburgh into 27 and 46, 14 games back as we give
2: our daily standings update. <laughs> and most importantly, <laughs> seven and a half games behind Arizona in the race for the number one pick in the Major League Baseball draft. Bees lose to the Aviators. Give up a couple late. Lose 8-6. to Las Vegas gets the win. Game 2 tonight at Smith's Ballpark. Get your tickets at SLBs.com or listen to the action here on the Zone Sports Network. And Yankee legend Yogi Berra, you've stood outside his childhood home in St. Louis. I wow, have, yeah. Been immortalized in a stamp. U.S. Postal Service issuing a Yogi Berra stamp. Dedicated during a ceremony at the Yogi Bear Museum and Learning Center in Little Falls, New Jersey. Available at post offices nationwide. Right across the street, Joe Gare Jo's home. Down at the end of the block,
1: Jack Buck. But Buck did not grow up there. It was when he was the St. Louis announcer.
2: Little Falls, New Jersey. Is that your end of the state or is yeah. that down by Philly? No, it's north. He's in north. He played for the Yankees, obviously. And so he's in north. Montclair is his, uh, where he... Uh, at his residence. I'm getting to know my Jersey Towns. Little Falls is a new one. Montclair, though, I've heard of. DJ and PK.
0: Hashtag RSL.
2: Real leg back in action. Third game in eight days. Hosting the Houston Dynamo Rio Tinto Stadium tomorrow night. Dynamo one point in front of RSL. Sixth place in the West. RSL seventh. Game starts at six o'clock. Both teams playing three games in eight days, so that's even out of both Both be a little worn down. I'm gassed just thinking about it. We will discuss that and a couple other issues with Trey Fitzgerald, host of the Bleeding Claire and Cobalt podcast, former RSL employee. He's going to join us coming up next. And David Locke is going to be here at 8 o'clock. We got that on the way. Also have the question of the day as the Clippers continue to confound and befuddle everyone and win when it really matters. Get to all of that coming up. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
0: The Big Show Show. with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
2: From The Athletic, he's our friend, Sam Amick. Mike Conley's a free agent for the first time in his career. How big a factor would his health be in deciding whether or not you want to be in the Mike Conley business? You talk
1: to your sports science people and and just gather all the evidence that you want regarding his own personal history with injury and trying to essentially predict
0: if you invest X amount of money, what percentage of the time can you reasonably expect him to be on the floor? Good luck getting that right, but he's coming off a very good year. I truthfully don't know what the market's going to be elsewhere for money for Mike. Age is all is going to come into play, but to me, a hamstring, you know, it's going to recover, and they're obviously a lot better with them. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, in the Zone Sports Network.
2: Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry signer Cadillac. Cadillac owners may have changed, but the luxury is not. Come see the bold new lineup of Cadillac at Jerry signer Cadillac today. Question of the morning. There are questions in the universe that just can't be answered. But you can take a shot at it anyway. What is it with the Clippers? They get down 2-0 in a series. So many teams are beaten at that point or just put up a token effort. Win a game, losing five. Maybe win two and losing six. And the Clippers, I know. I know, man. they've come back twice. And watching that game last night, it was hard not to think they're going to do it a third time.
1: Well, they can do it. There's no question about it. Yeah, yeah I would be shocked if they lose the series in five games. I feel like uh, I've been vindicated, but also I've been busted. Because? Because I said last year the Clippers were my team. Right. And I thought and they
2: you're, had the best roster. And you're a year early. And now you're loving the Suns. I still think the Clippers have the best roster. Yeah.
1: So. now the Suns, for family reasons, I'd like to see them win. I got... Hardcore family members, they're, they're fans and all that stuff. They lived there a long time, forty years. So, your sisters we, and your wife would go wild. That'd we, we all understand yeah. that. And we got friends. You know. As I said, I watched the game, game six, up in Jackson Hole on Friday with uh, some Suns fans because the people we go up with every year they're from the Phoenix area, and they were passionately rooting for the Jazz to give Chris Paul more time. You know, so it's fun to see. Uh, and then we talked to them the other night after they uh, put back at the, the lob at the, the buzzer and they just went berserk. That's, that's always fun. Uh, but I still think the Clippers have the best roster. So I feel a year later what I was saying. And the rosters changed to a degree. I understand that. And then, but I just said 10 minutes ago, sometimes you're just rearranging the chairs with the coaching. Well, they apparently didn't rearrange the chairs. They made a coaching change. So it's not like it doesn't matter. So I'm busting myself. Sometimes I I have a tendency to overlook, particularly at the pro rank. I'm speaking specifically pro rank, not college. It's an entirely separate issue.
2: College it yeah. matters a lot, and yeah. we all acknowledge that because they're right. the GM also.
1: Right, and you gotta you gotta identify. I mean, Kyle Whittingham, what a master at identifying some dude down in Texas we never heard of, and then he ends up going to the NFL for ten years, you know, stuff like that. And he figured it out. The guy, the guy's just a genius at it. There's zero question about that. And whether, whether, you think of him, doesn't matter. This guy can identify talent and not talent at the time, talent three years from now. You know, he can see into the future, project ahead. I, I, I all my stocks, I go to him. I say, Kyle, what do you think? You know, the guy's a genius in that. He, he can. Uh, he's, he, he's made me some millions over the years. Let me no, tell he you, really hasn't.
2: Right. But anyway. <laughs> So but thanks. for Thanks for that random useless tangent. <laughs> well, if I don't do that, man,
1: you're cutting off like 60 percent of my oxygen.
2: <laughs> so you got
1: to acknowledge what Lou is doing here. Big time. Uh, he's making a difference. I mean, the, the line, you never know what their starting lineup's going to be, nor do you necessarily know what the rotation's going to be. Beverly's in, he's out. Beverly, I guess, this year had started. He played in 42 playoff games coming into this year, I think, and started 41. And then earlier in the series, not this series, but the prior series, I think it was Dallas, he wasn't even playing.
2: He sat out a couple of games with and the DMPs. They've, they've got the yeah. they got the three-point guards, and they have to pick a guy to sit. And it's been him sometimes. It's been Rondo quite a bit. I think Reggie's playing pretty consistently. I think Reggie Jackson's getting minutes.
1: Okay, and Reggie was a buyout a year ago. Yeah, (laughs) and now he's he's like looking like an all-star. He's a free agent this year. Hey, Dennis, Jay Z, go get him. The guy's got stones, man. He's up for the big moments. And I—it's not like I've been following Reggie Jackson. Since the other Reggie Jackson, but But I gotta believe he's. I mean, I'm aware of him. I gotta believe this is the best he's playing, and I think you gotta give a coach because coaches tend to get hit for uh, when things go wrong, whether it's their fault or not. So I think you gotta give him credit here. So hats off to Lou.
2: So do you think Ty Lou is more effective? And people reference this. Uh, Cindy says maybe they've learned how to dig deep when it really matters which I guess you can go negative on the flip side of that is, well, they're just kind of coasting until it really matters. I don't know that they're but I, coasting. I, think, I agree, and I think there is something to the, and you love this side of the game, the psychological part of the game, and you love to say, so what? You lost two homies, you lost two road games. It's first one to four, nothing else matters. Except when you look at ninety five percent of the series, or ninety eight or ninety nine percent of them, it does matter. You, but look there at that. are. I don't look at that. I know I look you at don't. This I just series, started. I know, but I think there is something when you've been down O2 this many times and you fight oh, back this for many sure. times. At this point that yes. Lu for, forget the X's and O's for a second. We'll get to that. But there is something about Ty Lu in a huddle or in a locker room saying, "We can do this." Let's. Do, and then he gets to the tactics X Y Z. But there is something about him saying, "We can do this." And there's something about Doc Rivers, and I don't completely get it, but there's too much evidence to ignore, that when he says we can do this, there's some doubt that the team, because he's done it with multiple rosters, multiple teams, where they've been up 3-2 and they've blown it. They've had game is seven at home. His voice is too scratchy. Is that what it is? Yeah. But there's something about Ty Lu that guys are drawing confidence and strength from. And there's something about Doc Rivers, and there's doubt. Well, there it's clearly limited it to X and O because I don't think coaching is exclusively. No, bad I don't. At all. I I, I so, think set the X's and O's but, apart, and they're important. But in this case, the psychology of which it, which I think is, is critical, part of the deal. How do you get Zubac? Who,
1: you, I may play six minutes. Mm-hmm. I may play thirty-six minutes. But that's, your job isn't to worry about how many minutes you get. Your job is to be ready When to you're play. called on, even if you haven't been called on in a couple games, when you're yeah. called on, come in and deliver. And he responds with 15 points, 16 friggin' boards, six offensive boards, man. The guy's playing his butt off. As Joe Ingles just said about that Australian dude.
2: Only he uses the A word, but he's got more you know leverage than I do. A true story. Don says, rope-a-dope. They study you for two games, help you drink your own Kool-Aid, make needed adjustments, and take over.
1: I don't think they do that, because I mean I think they would prefer to win and
2: they had that game. They blew it they blew game two. Right down in the end. No doubt and that it. is brought up, Eric says the Suns are pretty lucky that it's two to one right now and not one to two. Sean really refer to a series that way, but we get his point.
1: Uh yeah.
2: Yeah. So Because you're right, Game 2 could have easily been flipped. But is that really, so you look at the three-game arc, like the Clippers were overmatched in the first game, figured some stuff out, pretty evenly matched in the second. Yeah, Booker went off. Pretty pretty evenly matched in the second game, but didn't pull it out. And then in Game 3, that wasn't close. That was over. That big run in the third quarter buried the Suns. 25-8, to I think it was.
1: No, they got back within eight,
2: though. They did get within eight, and then quickly it went back to double digits. That's
1: right, and they're shooting three-pointers, and the the two guys weren't hitting. And then, look, he puts Terrence Mann in the starting lineup, right? Mann Mm -hmm. hit all the three-pointers, the corner threes, right? We got nightmares with him hitting corner threes. Well, he plays 32 minutes, he goes six of eight, but he only goes zero for one from three. So he's not getting those shots, but yet he still finds ways. Don't force it over here. If
2: it's not there, if you got something here, take it! And he took it! DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to check in with Trey Fitzgerald. He is on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption and their managing irrigation. Well, if you are in that situation, you need more info... Find out more at smartrain.net. And Trey Fitzgerald, host of the Bleeding Claret and Cobalt podcast, former RSL employee, joins us. And before we get to RSL and the soccer, as we sit here and discuss the NBA, do you wince, Trey? Because you are a huge Nuggets fan growing up in New Mexico. You saw their games as a kid. You lived in Denver. Are you wincing? Is the Nugget fan base like the Jazz fan base? Man, if we'd been healthy. In the Nuggets case, if Jamal Murray hadn't gotten hurt.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, the... The progress they made to go seventeen and seven without Jamal into the second round of the playoffs—that's the logical, reasoned view. Most people don't have that, as you know. Um, currently, everybody's debating—you know—do you give a hundred million dollars to three players if you if you give uh, Michael Porter Jr. the the rookie extension, and what do you do with Aaron Gordon in another year and? Uh, you know, will Jamal be back by all-star game? You know, will he be hundred percent, all those kinds of things. So there's definitely angst amongst uh, all NBA fan bases right now and looking at, uh, an opportunity that, uh, of what could have been and what might be missed because if the Warriors and the Lakers get back to where everybody expects them to be, the, uh, the markets like Utah, Denver, Phoenix, Milwaukee, Atlanta may not have the, the chances that they obviously have this year.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting concept though, these other markets because these teams that you just mentioned are all really good teams and on any given they can be better than anybody. You know, they're right they're right there. There's a bunch of teams that you look at and a healthy Denver, I think you've got to put them in that mix and obviously a healthy Utah you've got to put them in that mix but how they manage their money basically what I mean by that their money on what they decide to pay or who they decide to pay and how much becomes so critical to me I think it's great for the league but at the same time I find it fascinating you know you just said what's Denver going to do Utah has some decisions and so you put that all in there And don't you find it just interesting and and actually better for the league intriguing when you've got all these small or middle-type markets that have really good teams and have tried to do the right thing?
3: Yeah, I I think you're exactly right, PK. I love it because these are all teams that have exciting stars, burgeoning superstars. Um, Most of them, if not all of them, have what you would call a core uh, that should have a window of, what, four or five years barring injury. Uh, but you do have that kind of luxury tax guillotine hanging over everybody's head, and you know, I like watching the Warriors because I think Clay and Steph and Draymond are special, and I love Steve Kerr. But it, when Clay goes down and they kind of make the emergency move to trade for Kelly Oubre, and yeah, they're only paying Kelly Oubre—I don't know—14 million, but the luxury tax implications essentially meant that his one contract cost them $80 million in a year that they could, couldn't even invite fans into their billion dollar arena. So those, I mean, that's an extreme example. I think it's probably a little more than what Ryan Smith is looking for. If, if they sign Conley or go out and find somebody else and, and that pushes them into the, what the tax MLE, which is another 5 million on top 5.6 or whatever. So, This is fascinating, and you know, this is what the NBA has become, right? Though is the off-season hot stove, to use a a baseball term from our days when we were all kids, I guess. Um, You know, is is part of what drives the NBA culture on social media. And um, look, if the NBA is going to become a little more like the NFL, where more fan bases have hope at the beginning of every season and are excited at moves in the offseason, that's a good thing. I know Max Kellerman and all these national pundits are lamenting what the TV ratings would be if, uh, you know, if you have a Milwaukee Phoenix finals or an Atlanta uh, Denver, Utah, whatever finals, but I think it, it opens it up. And those kind of antiquated metrics of TV markets and ratings as as we all kind of go into digital and streaming and social and the world becomes smaller and some of these other clichés i i i'm not as worried about that it doesn't have to be uh, new york la right. you know miami san francisco all the time
2: well that's an interesting segue to the world of major league soccer where <laughs> a former nfl guy is the commissioner and it's a little different because the Seattle and Atlantas are certainly a big deal, but it does seem like there's tiers of soccer and RSL losing to a Seattle team that has more money and more depth, and there's a salary cap, but like the NBA, it's soft, so there are ways around it, and Seattle seems to have figured it out.
3: Yeah, look, uh, Seattle is run by our, our good old friend um, Garth Loggerway, who – I think should be the next commissioner of major league soccer um, because he's that smart. He's that good of a leader in terms of making everyone uh, from the very, very top to the, to the game day volunteers and everyone in between feel important. He was the glue, I think of, of Real Salt Lake for many, many years. And yes, Jason Christ got a lot of the headlines, but um, you know, Garth built a culture and built a roster along with many, many others. But, Now Garth in Seattle, he's got an ownership group that has deep pockets that is willing to spend um, top dollar on marquee players. But as you mentioned, DJ, uh, depth. So Seattle rolls out a semi-B team lineup on on Wednesday night. And, you know, I think RSL, well, I'm sure we'll get into this, probably feels a little unlucky not to have gotten at least a point out of that road Uh, performance, but Seattle is clearly the better team. And, you know, what they can do when they put players 14 through 20 out there um, compared to what probably all but maybe three or four MLS teams can do that only go – we'll talk about this for Houston. Houston's only 11 deep, um, and they've had a decent start. But, you know, if injuries and national team call-ups and red card suspensions – When all those things start folding in, you've got a compact uh, uh, COVID-affected season where teams are going to be playing three games in eight days for almost the rest of the year, Um, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. uh, That's where that depth shines, and Seattle has the tools to endure. I think RSL, with some of these new additions that were announced right before the close of the transfer window with Bobby Wood, uh, Tony Dakovich at center back and Johnny Menendez on the wing, I think um, the the front office for RSL has given Freddy Juarez some options coming off the bench and to rotate uh, that they did not have earlier uh, in the season when I think if you look at the Minnesota game, you look at the San Jose game, even if you look at the game the other night, you see a lot of dropped points and kind of missed opportunities and it's, I think, early enough in the season that you don't have to have heartburn over those missed opportunities, but you better learn your lessons and you better not uh, repeat those mistakes uh, when you get into kind of the dog days here of the summer and then the, uh, the run out uh, late in the season when literally every point uh, can flip you from outside the playoffs to comfortably uh, with a home field advantage.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, Trey. I mean, you put the two teams at the top, Seattle and KC, but then everybody else, man, That well, not everybody, a couple of teams at the bottom, but there's so many teams in the middle, so to speak, that uh, when we get away from this for several weeks from now, this thing could look dramatically different.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, RSL has the advantage, still has two games in hand over, I think, most of the West. So if you look at a points-per-game average, uh, which is what you have to do in soccer instead of a winning percentage, because... You could have, uh, you know, you have a third option on a result with a tie. But anyway, points per game, they're fourth in the West. Uh, overall, on on uh, gross points, they're, um, I think, seventh in the West and just hanging on barely to that, that last playoff spot. There's a lot of soccer uh, left to be played. I think um, what's going to be critical over the course of the next, uh, I don't know, 30 days as you kind of get to – Actually, it's it's less than that. It's probably about 23 days before you get to a little mini uh, international break in late July, is integrating uh, some of these new faces. And, uh, you know, when you have three guys competing for two spots every day in training, whether that be an outside back, center back, B mid, striker, winger, whatever, uh, as you guys know, it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. If you've got that daily competition for who's going to be penciled in the starting lineup. It sharpens, um, you know, they say, this is the cliche, iron sharpens iron. So um, then you've got, because of the schedule rotation needs, um, you, you can keep a guy engaged if he's upset he's not starting on Wednesday, uh, but maybe he comes off the bench, he gets 10, 20 minutes, um, more than likely that odd guy out from that three guys for two spots competition is going to start uh, 72 hours later just because the games are coming fast and furious. So um, I think Freddie has a little more to cook with now, and we're really going to get a sense uh, this summer of how good or lacking uh, this roster is and this team is. But I, uh, I am optimistic right now because when you bring in U.S. international talent like Bobby Wood, uh, you bring in uh, another Croatian uh, to go along with uh, Demir Krylock and Boyan in our Utah uh, fat, uh, sports fabric here in Tony Dakovich at center back. Um, you know, these are world-class talents. Rubio Rubin is a former U.S. national team guy, and Johnny Menendez is a uh, Argentine winger who's in his prime. And if you look at the history of Argentinian players who have come through MLS, including RSL, like Javier Morales is probably the best player in the history of this club so um that's the pedigree and that's the uh comparables that these guys face and uh so i think rsl fans have a lot of reason to be optimistic that they can get back to uh defending rio tinto as a fortress getting three points every time out the crowds have been really good despite the covid restrictions uh you know so far this year and uh saturday night against houston it's it's open to to full capacity, and they're not going head-to-head with the Jazz like they were uh, last Friday. So uh, the, the place will be uh, almost full, I imagine.
2: So you mentioned bringing in these new guys, and I'm curious because, you know, we got a lot of listeners who follow basketball, we got some who follow baseball, and they sure. bring international players, and they don't seem to get hung up with the visas, and it seems to happen all the time in soccer. And RSL, you can't complain too much because you benefit when it happens to other teams. But it's yep. happening RSL right now, and everybody's waiting for a new goal scorer. Everybody knows they need a third center back in there yep. uh, to compete and all that stuff. Why Why the hang-ups with the deal is done, but you're we- waiting on the Visa paperwork?
3: I wasn't expecting a political conversation here this morning, DJ, but... Um you know, the, the visa, the State Department, all the immigration challenges that we read about every day do affect the world of sports. And um, previous administrations, uh, it was simple. Uh, the last four years, it got more complicated. COVID uh, added further complications on both sides of the process. And, uh, and now there's a massive... Uh, backlog in every consulate and every embassy around the world. And look, I've been around this sport and the international nature of sports long enough to know that uh, in certain countries, corruption plays a role in all this. And everybody's got their hand out. Everybody's trying to get the wheels greased to, to, to put something at the top of the pile, if you will. And I'm not saying that's what's happening here. I'm just saying these are possible Uh, scenarios for delays and complications. Um, In my conversations with everybody at RSL, they expect uh, Menendez and Dakovic to be here uh, any day. But, yes, they are frustrated because uh, when you get those contracts done by May 30th, which I believe was the deadline for the window, I think they fully expected by the end of the international break uh, those guys would have had their visa appointments in their home countries, and that's a formality. That's where you generally just get, as long as you don't have a criminal record, you get your your uh, passport stamped and your, your uh, work visa approved to come earn a living in the United States. But um, it is definitely not as uh, expedited and smooth a process as it was uh, five years ago and uh, even pre-COVID.
1: How about the ownership, man? It's been six months since all this stuff went down. Where do you see this going? When's it going to get wrapped up?
3: Yeah, um, what I'm what I'm hearing is that there are uh, close to a dozen uh, parties still kind of kicking the tires on, uh, on Real Salt Lake. Major League Soccer's league office, the commissioner's office, uh, is managing the sale. Uh, coming into the 2021 season, there were three teams, including RSL, that were uh, available, the Orlando City Group and the Houston team that we'll see when, uh, sorry, Saturday night, tomorrow night, uh, those were the other two teams for sale. So Orlando uh, was sold for $450 million. Uh, that includes their training facility. That includes their stadium. So a very similarly structured deal as I think, what we have here uh, in Salt Lake. Houston sold for $400 million. It did not include the stadium because... That is a civic property, Um, and you know there's a tons. There are a ton of intangibles uh, when looking at each market. And I would make the argument. Obviously, I'm biased because I love Salt Lake. It's been home here for 17 years. Um, I think we have the infrastructure. When you go out to Harriman and see the training facility that the RSL and the Monarchs and the Academy have, people compare that to um, Manchester City's. Facility over in England, and um, they, you know, it's truly world class. Um, you know, Rio Tinto is 13 years old now, which is in- incredible uh, to believe, but um, it it is still in great shape. It, it needs some upgrades. I know Deloitte had planned on uh, on adding some sweets and some other uh, kind of food areas and premium stuff, but. You know, whoever the new owner is, we'll see if they decide to dust off those plans. So uh, the commissioner and all his public comments, he says that he expects the transaction to be finalized by the end of the year. Um, I think, you know, what we're looking for here uh, is, is there a local owner uh, that would take over RSL? Um, You guys would know probably better than me, but if if you made a list of local Uh, families or entities that have that money. It's a pretty short list, right? Um, Huntsman,
1: James. Yeah. Ah. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um, So, you know, the Houston group was bought by a New York real estate guy. I think the Orlando group was bought by the Will family that owns the Minnesota Vikings. So they had to divest themselves of their minority ownership of the Nashville soccer team which just uh, started last year. So, you know, even nationwide, it's a, it's a small circle. And, I mean, when you think about uh, Dave Chekett's creating this club out of thin air for a $7 million franchise fee back in 2004, and then uh, the most recent expansion fee was $325 million by David Tepper, who owns the Carolina Panthers, uh, last year, you can see just from those metrics alone the growth of, of soccer. I think what everybody's banging on, banking on is that you have a new TV rights deal that is about to go into play here for Major League Soccer in 2022, so they're negotiating with all the networks. Uh, we saw what that did for NBA salary caps a few years ago. So that's an expectation that would uh, increase uh, – franchise rights value. And then, of course, you have the majority of the 2026 World Cup being held here in the United States. So, um, you know, we've got a handful of games in Canada and Mexico, but I think 60 of the 80 games in that tournament will be played here on U.S. soil. So soccer's profile is only going to continue to grow. And, uh, you know, for a league that was basically um, conceived because of the 1994 uh, World Cup being held in the U.S. to have a 2026 World Cup is kind of a, a crowning achievement for the sport in this country and to, to have a, a league that's full of 30-plus teams by then uh, with each franchise valued in the four to $500 million uh, dollar range. An interesting report just came out last week. Mark Ingram, the NFL running back, uh, became a minority owner of the team in Washington, D.C., I don't remember how much he put in. I think it was, you know, only fifteen million or something like that. But the valuation for that club uh, was seven hundred and ten million dollars, which um, I was shocked at that number. Yes, they have a new stadium. Yes, Washington D.C. is a big East Coast market and all that stuff. But um, you know, that club does not have the infrastructure, resources, or local relevance that Real Salt Lake has here. And I get that there are market disparities. And I know you guys discussed this ad nauseum in NBA um, uh, <clears throat> circumstances, but uh, you know, a lot of those same dynamics are at play for um, for Salt Lake, you know, for RSL, you know, how do you attract free agents? How do you maximize sponsorships? How do you do all the things that create revenue streams that allow you to put the best product uh, on the field? And, and, and that's, that's what's happening. So I think with all that as a background, the job that uh, Elliot Fall and Rob Zarkos and Tony Beltran have done to stabilize the ship so that the on-field product is um, outside the eye of the hurricane from everything that's swirling, I guess, off the field with ownership and fans and, and some of that other stuff. And uh, that's to be commended. Again, the, the, the report card's incomplete because we're, you know, eight games into a a 34-game season. But uh, there's reason to be hopeful and optimistic.
2: So you tweeted at me a couple days ago a picture of a uh, Padre fan flipping off a Dodger fan at a game. And the Dodger fan is tipped away But it seems like they were smiling. You could just see a portion of their face and profile, just a little bit. So I imagine the pottery, and I'm just making this up, I have no idea. The pottery fan says something. And the Dodger fan is like, yeah, nice with the sweep, but we still got the World Series, and uh, we're going to take another one in the fall when we're healthy. And so the, the pottery fan just loses and flips him off. And you're like, well, this is this DJ circa 1993 at you know Qualcomm. And I told you, 93, 94, 95, 96, 97. That's how pottery fans feel about Dodger fans. So if you took that picture at RSL, that opposing fan would. It was taken in San Diego because the Dodgers yeah. were there for a series. What what opposing team jersey would most likely be in that photo with an RSL fan flipping them off?
3: I think it's Kansas City, no question. The the rivalry with RSL and Colorado is contrived. Um, RSL's won 11 of the last 14 Rocky Mountain Cups with the Rapids, so I don't think that's a real rivalry. It's been too one-sided. But there is still bad blood and venom between uh, the RSL fan base in Kansas city because of MLS cup 2013, because of the ticketing snafu because of the battles between Kyle Beckerman, the RSL captain and Benny Filehaber from uh, Kansas city. Um, so I think, you know, the blood is maybe dissipated. The venom is dissipated a little bit, but that's still uh, by and far RSL's number one rival. There are, there are friendly rivalries with, with Portland and Seattle and, you know, obviously RSL fans, Utah fans love to beat the LA teams, but uh, LAFC hasn't been around long enough. The Galaxy has kind of fallen on some hard times of late. So uh, the venom and vitriol is all reserved for Kansas City.
2: Trey, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on with us, and we will uh, check check in with you down the line.
3: Yeah, it's great to hear your guys' voices, even yours, PK. So I appreciate the time this
2: morning. Thank you. <laughs> you do have to get together and golf. You do have a yeah, good time out there. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, you two can crush it. Yeah. All right, thanks, okay. Trey. Thanks, D- guys. See you soon. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and twelve eighty. in the zone. Coming up, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. How are the Clippers doing it? Again, down 0-2, winning game three. Looking awesome. Is it possible to lead a series 1 to 2 PK? Does it feel no. like it's tied up 1 to 2? No. I suppose it is, but it doesn't feel like that to me. Yeah. We'll get to all that with David Locke in a minute. Stay with us.
0: For three. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. You're outstanding. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network from the NBA draft. To free agency and on to the Summer League. The zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
2: DJ and PK it's 5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK sale is going on now. Give rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision.
1: So I got a little funny story since we got a little short time here before we got to go to break. So my wife goes to uh, what you would call a little bachelorette party last night. But it's a second marriage, so it's very tame. So she's, so she's telling me. And, and for me, if you can tell me you're going to do something, you got something on plan, you better tell me no less than 10 times. Because <laughs> you're going to forget. Yeah. right. <laughs> telling me last week that you're going to go out Thursday night this is meaningless. So you can tell me. But, you but you're not going to retain this information. <laughs> yes.
2: You're gonna have to. It's going in the other ear. It's going out the other one. You're going to have to repeatedly tell Right. Me.
1: So about, uh, I'd say about 1 o'clock. As a reminder, I'm going to this uh, thing last tonight for the gals getting married. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, that's the one I'm performing right at, right? <laughs> and she just says, yeah. And I said, yeah, I went out and bought some uh, several new tube socks. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought, okay, that's a little funny line. And we're in the car, and we drive about another half mile, and all of a sudden, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it took her that long to get it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> She had something on her mind. She was clearly considering something else and then put that off to the side in her brain and pulled it back in and processed it. It's not that complicated a joke that it took that long. Right,
1: and I thought, I was she just, must have just about ready to say, nothing? I thought that was a decent line. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a gut buster, but it was decent. But yeah, there was a little delayed reaction there. I don't know, the seven, eight second delay that we have in radio, I and mean, it was longer than that. And then finally she let out a chuckle. I thought, okay, good. I mean, I... I mean, if I say something that I think is fairly humorous, I mean, I expect some type of reaction.
2: All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, off-season moves to the Jazz, signing Mike Conley. Is Mike Conley going to get other offers? Where are the Jazz going with this? We'll get to that next. Stay with us.